Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by being, making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. We're in the middle of a topical series that kind of is along the lines of that next steps things that Colton talked about during the announcements where we are going through what makes Reach Life Reach Life, what is at our core, our core descriptor, our core descriptors. And um, our regular rhythm in here is we kind of like to go through like books of the Bible, verse by verse, precept upon precept, but we feel like it's occasionally a good time to take time out and do a topical thing like this, particularly we're in a new location, in a new context, and it's the beginning of a new year. So we want to refresh these things in our minds. Um, and if you're evaluating, again, just like with Next Steps, if you're evaluating whether, hey, man, is this a church for me? Uh, maybe this will give you a, a look kind of under the hood a little bit to see uh, more of what we're about. And so I would encourage you to go on to YouTube, our YouTube channel, and take a look at the previous messages um, that we've done in this series. Well, today we're looking at our core descriptor of being culturally engaged. And you'll see what I mean by that coming up on the screen. This is going to be kind of a first part of a two-part series, um, but you'll see what I mean by that. And by being culturally engaged, we mean embracing our call to live as both members of and missionaries to our context. Now, I didn't include that in the outline in your weekly, and I should have. Uh, so I would encourage you to take a picture of that with your phone, write it down at the top of your weekly if you're a note taker. It is embracing our call to live as both members of and missionaries to our context. That's what we're going to be talking about today. In other words, we believe as Reach Life Church that we, we have been called by God. In other words, it's a, it's a commission given to us by God as individuals and collectively as a church. We've been given the assignment um, and the honor to engage our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, loving them well and ultimately introducing them to the gospel, the good news about the love of Jesus. His provision for the forgiveness of sins. His provision for them to be reconciled to the Father in right relationship. And why do we want to do that? Why, why would we want to do such a thing? Well, as uh, John Piper says, we want to do such a thing because missions exist. That is, living on mission exists because worship doesn't. In other words, our goal is to create more worshipers of the real God who's actually there. Not only because he deserves it but because it's the, actually the best thing for them as well, isn't it? So if we truly love people, then we're going to help people worship God. Does that follow? You see what I'm saying? It's the, it's the best thing for them. So this is, this is a really a, a holy calling we've been given by God, for God, to people in our, con in our context. God wants them to know Him now and forever. God wants them to enjoy Him now and forever. So we have the distinct honor of being instrumental in his process of calling people to himself. Man, that's amazing. I don't know if you could like fathom what I'm, what I'm saying here, but it's amazing that God would involve us in this great process of redemption. Well, what does that look like? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. What does it look like to be missionaries or members of and missionaries to our culture, specifically and importantly, those people within the culture in which God has placed us. Well, first, if you're following along in your weekly, 
It means that we engage in the life of the culture. In the life of the culture. This is what it means to be members of the culture in which we've been called or which we've been called to. You know, often as followers of Jesus, we can sometimes miss that we're called to be missionaries, but even if we do get we've been called to be missionaries, sometimes we view this missionary call as like something that we can sort of like lob into the culture at people. Like we, we're distant from them and then we speak out to them. This is not the way. right? This is not what God has called us to do. Jesus himself taught us that we actually to be in people's lives in the life of the culture you can see this in Matthew chapter 5 if you're following along in your word of God your copy of the word of God I want to encourage you to do that we're going to have three main passages that we'll be looking at today Matthew chapter 5 is the first one you'll see it coming up on the screen Um, but man I, I love to hear pages of the Bible rustling I know you have it on the app on your phone I get that uh, and I know it's up here on the screen but I could put anything up here would you guys know the difference If you don't have your Bible with you, would you know if I actually put the Word of God up here? I'm just saying, okay? So here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13. I didn't plan on saying that. That's free. (laughs) Matthew chapter 5. James, don't let me go off script, man. Don't let me go. I have notes. Stick to the notes, right? Yeah, okay. Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16 say, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste... How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, verse 14. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now we'll stop there in Matthew. I want to notice a few things that Jesus says to his disciples then, and by extension, us disciples today uh, in 2024, right? So first, this is a profound thing if we can get a hold of it. Jesus says that we, you, in 2024, in the greater Asheville, North Carolina area, are the salt of the earth. Jesus would look at you and say, you, Grant, are the salt of the earth. That's a profound thing for Jesus to look at us and say. You are the salt of the earth. As you may know, salt, you may know this, salt is a preservative, right? It, it um, preserves the health of the food and it, pre- it holds back corruption of the food, right? So Jesus is saying That's kind of our job in the world, to preserve the goodness of the food and to hold back the corruption of the food, so to speak, in the world. We're on the earth and in our context to preserve that which is true and good and beautiful and to hold back that which is false and wicked and profane. That's part of our call as being on mission with Jesus. And notice he also says that if we become corrupted then, if we lose our saltiness, If we become corrupted by that which is false and wicked and profane, he says, we have lost our saltiness and we're no longer good for our mission. We're not not good for anything, right? If we 
let that which is out there get in here. And we should stop and pay attention here because haven't we seen this happen? There, you know, the things going on with churches and pastors and I see like my heroes doing weird things. And you've, you've maybe seen it in, in churches that you've been part of. You've maybe seen it in one another's lives. You may have seen it in the mirror as you look at your own life that we've become corrupted by that which is false and wicked and profane. Now, we've seen it. Someone who can have sound theology and they can even promote what is true and good and beautiful and even preach the real true gospel of Jesus Christ with their mouths. But something in their lives or the way they live their lives is contrary to what comes out of their mouths in the gospel. So they lose all credibility of sharing the gospel with their mouths. It reminds me of this famous quote by an author, Brennan Manning. He said that the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Let's be honest, church. We know that's the case. We, if we're honest in our gut, we know that's the case. And so a question we need to stop and ask ourselves individually is, are we, am I, living according to what I believe? And God help us not be stumbling blocks to others. I was talking to Kelly about this. Um, we we're, were talking about uh, something that's going on in the larger church. And I said, I said, babe, this scares me to death. I'm afraid for myself. I'm going to say something dumb. I'm going to do something really stupid and bring reproach upon Jesus. I'm not above it. I'm not as good a Christian as my heroes who are doing stuff like that. I'm not half the Christian they are. And so it's sobering to me. And I hope it's sobering to all of us. You know, thankfully, God, by his Holy Spirit, will help us as we yield to him. We don't, we don't have to fall. We don't have to stumble. We don't have to sin. He provides a way out. He's gracious to us. He's sufficient when we're not sufficient. So I just, I just want to say that. So I hope we can, we can lean into him, right? Um, so part of our call is to engage culture, not just by promoting what is true and good and beautiful, but to live and keeping holy lives for what is true and good and beautiful. Um, we are broken people set free by Jesus, and now we walk along one another, reach life church, lovingly holding one another accountable, seeking to honor Jesus and be salty, in the best sense of the word, right, in our world, not just in word and deed, but even in our, our motives, what's going on inside our souls. Well, next in the passage, Jesus gives us an equally profound statement, not just to be salt, but he says that we are the light of the world. What? I thought Jesus was the light of the world. Well, he is, right? He is. John chapter 1 is really clear about that. But here's Jesus, the true light, saying that you, individual person Marvin, you are the light of the world. What does that mean? Jesus, an analogy would be like, Jesus is, is like the sun and we're like the moon. The moon doesn't have any light of its own. It reflects the light of the sun when it's dark. Listen, it's dark. In our culture, isn't it? It's dark. 
we then get to the honor of reflecting the light of Jesus. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. This is a profound thing. It sounds crazy, but he's handed his mission to us to continue it. Um, specifically here, he says in the passage that we shouldn't hide ourselves or isolate ourselves from the world, but to let our light shine in the world for the express purpose, it says, that they should see our good deeds. And in this context of our message today, do you realize that our good deeds include living what we preach? Living out what we believe in our heads? The gospel that we hold in our hearts, the gospel that we hold as a church, part of living a good life, doing good deeds, is practicing what we preach. Right? Uh, next week, Pastor James is going to talk about what we usually think about with good deeds um, and what it looks like to, uh, to serve and do good deeds that way with our core descriptor of being community contributing. That's why I kind of call that, a, a, so these two messages kind of go together. Uh, but for today... We're to be motivated to orient our lives with the gospel that we may share the gospel more effectively. And then people will see our lives and glorify God who is, who is in heaven. You know, I, I do a question of the week on social media for the church. And the question that I put out there this week was, who has been the real deal for you? You know, because sometimes you can talk to somebody who's not a believer and they'll say, you know what, I'm not, I don't follow Jesus. I don't buy all that stuff. But I tell you what, my grandmother who shared Jesus with me, she's the real deal. She lives it. I respect that. This is the real deal. So they see her good deeds, her good life and glorify her father who is in heaven. You know, it seems to me that our culture is increasingly embracing just brazen evil. Um, you may have a different view of our culture. If so, please, let's talk afterward. But I think we can all agree that, our, at least most of us, our culture is fractured. It is increasingly not only accepting of, but celebrating and embracing evil. And so I bring that up because there's a movement in some Christian circles to then, because that's the case in the culture, to isolate ourselves out of the culture. Right? Culture's dark. It's embrace, increasingly embracing just blatant evil. Uh, so we should isolate ourselves from the society in, other, uh, in order to isolate ourselves from the evil. But I believe Jesus will say, wait a minute, wait, wait, look at verse 14 again. Jesus will say, hang on, no. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We must not be of the world. Let's be clear. <laughs> but we must, um, you know, so we can't be of the world. So we have to insulate ourselves from the evil of the world. But we can't isolate ourselves from the world. Do you hear what I said? We should insulate ourselves so that we're not corrupted, but we can't isolate ourselves from the people that Jesus has called us to. Do you, do you see the distinction? So we're not of the world, but Jesus has indeed called us into the world, has he not? Is that not our commission? Um, again, I, I believe uh, that the world around us is getting quite dark. Darker by the moment, it seems to me. So I do believe that there are real like political and financial and social other reforms 
that are needed. And if you talk to me at any length, you know that I think about those things and I have opinions about those things, and they are important. But hear me, those spheres of life are outward expressions of inner conditions. The corruption we see in those areas are outward expressions of inner conditions. So what really, at the core foundational level, what people need is the good news about Jesus. Who people need is Jesus. right? So that's why as a church, we are a gospel-centered church. right? People need Jesus. We are called by Jesus to be light in the darkness and to point people to Jesus who is the true light. So what does that look like, practically speaking, then? Well, first it means that there is no such thing, church, as a sacred, secular split in our lives. In other words, everything in your life, everything is sacred or holy to God. And this, this would mean your job, your recreation, your friendships, your education, your hobbies, everything is holy to God. So do the math then. <laughs> These spaces I just talked about are sacred spaces. Your job, your recreation, your friendships, your education, your hobbies, everything and everywhere is a place where you, we are called to be salt and light. There's not a place where I'm just going to, I'm just do my own thing here in this area. And over here, I'm doing the Christian thing. Over here, I'm a disciple of Jesus. No, no, no. All of life is sacred space. God claims dominion over every inch of our lives because it's rightfully his. And that means every Reach Life member is a minister because every endeavor in life is a mission. I'm going to say it again. Every member is a missionary. Every endeavor is a mission. So we're not of the world, but we're called to go into the world with the good news about Jesus. We engage the life. We're in the lives of the culture. Specifically here, Jesus says we do this through engaging with people, seeking to be among the people in our context, to live holy lives, to to love them well by sharing God's truth in a consistent way, not just out of our mouths, but with the way that we live our lives for his glory. And again, Pastor James will talk about an additional component about that next week with being community contributing. Well, next in our outline, we don't only engage the life of the culture, but we engage in the conversations of the culture. That brings us to our second passage, our key passage today in Colossians chapter 4. And you have to trust me that this is actually what Colossians chapter 4 says. Right, Ronnie? (laughs) When it comes up on the screen. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Paul says, we walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, there's that word again, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You know, as a gospel-centered people, we recognize that all cultural conversations are rooted in the gospel and by extension, the Christian worldview conversations. That's, what, that's sort of what being a, a gospel-centered church and individual means. I'm going I'm to pull up a, a diagram of the gospel for you on the screen here. It's very rudimentary, but you see, let me just walk over to this one. No, I'll fall off the stage. Let's do this one. So you see before creation, it's just God. 
nothing else. Then God created. He made us sort of the pinnacle of that creation. We rebelled and fell. We call that the fall. Here we are down at the fall. What we need is restoration. We only get that through Jesus. That's the redemption part. And Jesus makes us uh, be with, in, with the Father in heaven forever. That's eternity with God. Or if we reject Jesus, that leads to hell, eternity apart from God. Very simple, but that's the gospel. That's, that's the big picture of reality. And where you see that fella there uh, down by the fall, that is the context where we've been called. Francis Schaeffer referred to, there's, there's going to be a line coming up, a little zoom in here. Francis Schaeffer referred to something that he calls the line of despair. In other words, when humanity fell from what we've been made to do, we fell down into the, under this line of despair where now there's an upper story where God is and we're locked away from God. Kind of locked ourselves away from God and we're down in that lower story. Uh, it's when humanity as a whole, because we were separated from God, we're left to our own devices, our own vices, if you will. In our rebellion, we're kind of, again, locked away from him. So in this lower story, we make up our own rules. It's a self-styled world without any objective categories because we've rejected the only source of real categories, God himself, of, of objective thing, uh, things that are objectively true and good and beautiful or grounded in God himself. And Schaefer said that, that there, below that, that line of despair, is therefore no truth and even no non-truth in antithesis to one another. No right or wrong. You are adrift. This is the context that we've been called to. People are adrift. People are below the line of despair. Um, they've fallen. We live in a fallen world with people who are fallen. But the gospel says that the, there's good news. Can, can we bring up the gospel thing again? There's good news that Jesus will pull us out of that. We then have been reconciled to God by Jesus. We've been placed back up in this upper story. And we, who have been reconciled to the Father by Jesus, are being sent back down here into this fallen story. We were positionally with God. Here we are in this fallen uh, place being called as missionaries. Um, you realize that you ever thought about this? That God didn't like zap us out of here when he saved us. He said, no, I'll be with you, but you're going to stay here. Well, here's why. Right? We, are, we are called into this sort of uh, context to help rescue others so that they could then also have fellowship with God. If you've had a, like an introductory philosophy course in college, this may sound familiar to you. It's like Plato's cave, right, where there are people locked away in a world of shadows, and they don't know the real things. They just see the shadows of the real things. Well, some people make their way out and are like, whoa, I only saw darkness in there. That wasn't the real thing. I see the real thing. We see the real thing, the God who's actually there. And we have been sent back into the cave to tell people, hey, you're only seeing shadows. Let me release your chains. Maybe the chains that you put on yourself and lead them out of the darkness into the light of the world who is Jesus, right? Um, uh, we, we're truly called to do that sort of thing. And so we meet people where they are, and by God's grace, we move them to have 
a relationship with Jesus. This passage talked about being able to answer each person. Not just some idea floating out in the culture, but to know how you might answer each person. Remember that. Um, That is truly seeking to see the person in front of you. This individual. Meet them where they are. This includes, again, as I said, participating in life with them. Talking about the things that they're talking about. Intentionally bringing those conversations, um, moving those conversations in such a way that you can bring the gospel to bear. The good news about Jesus. Something true, something good, something beautiful to eventually lead to the good news about Jesus, which is in just brilliant contrast to like the fool's gold, the shadows that they they thought were the real thing the whole time. We are going to show them the genuine article. So we are prepared to see clearly ourselves through a biblical lens and to help others see clearly um, in cultural conversations. Again, an example of this would be the Monday question of the week that we've been doing on social media. Sometimes there's a follow-up from the sermon that happened that Sunday. Oftentimes there's cultural conversations that I want to participate in. We talked about people deconverting from the faith, so I asked a question about that. Uh, We talked about like recent uh, holidays and getting along with your family uh, over political conversations during the holidays. Um, We want to bring a biblical view, a gospel-centered view into those cultural conversations. Some of you may have been surprised that I asked a question about aliens on that thing. Um, Well, you may or may not have heard, but the topic of aliens has been all over the news and social media lately. People are abuzz and increasingly believe that, you know, maybe we came from aliens. And if we could just uh, connect or reconnect with aliens, they would provide the technology and maybe the morality to save us from destroying ourselves and, and from destroying one another and destroying the planet. Don't miss what I just said for each life. Aliens are increasingly seen as potentially our creators and our saviors. Ah, so this is a spiritual conversation, isn't it? Right? In fact, when we see through a gospel lens, this is the point, all conversations are spiritual conversations. If we're missionaries, if that's our mindset, if we're living on mission, all conversations are spiritual conversations. And so we enter each of us in our everyday lives, our interactions, our conversations in natural ways, we could talk about like entertainment, politics, ethics. We could talk about social topics like sexuality and gender and finances and warfare and sports and family life and books and music and video games and fashion and education, you name it. These are spiritual conversations that we can have with those around us, knowing how we ought to answer each person, having our speech seasoned with salt. Again, from Colossians chapter 4. Again, we first do this by taking every thought captive in our own minds according to Christ, and then by having a, you know, a biblical view ourselves, and then sharing that biblically rooted, gospel-centered view in conversations. Um, so we bring this to bear on, on all things so people can see the true light of the world the Lord Jesus. You know, as we learned um, in our missional communities last week, we don't just answer good, we we answer uh, good questions with good answers so that we can share the good news. That's the point. That's why we do it. So the gospel-centered, biblically-rooted view applies to everything. It's it's where, you'll see this coming up on the screen, the gospel-centered and biblically-rooted view of life and living involves all 
of life and living. And it is where we can meet people where they are and by God's grace, move them toward a saving relationship with Jesus. I want to let that sit firmly in our hearts this morning. That is worth investing in as a church. That right there. That is worth investing in as an individual. That's, that's worth devoting your life to as a missionary to your context. So we engage in the life of the culture. We engage in the conversations of the culture. And lastly, we engage the people of the culture. You knew where I was going with that, right? You knew. You saw, you saw it's, it's all leading to engaging with people. This whole message has really been pointing to this. And we'll turn to the famous teaching of the Apostle Paul. Always a good idea by the way, to do. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Again, if you're uh, a note taker or you can follow along in your copy of the word there. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The Apostle Paul really lays this out well to us, in my opinion. Verses 19 through 23 say this. Paul says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. right? Those under the law in this shadow land, as it were. Uh, verse 21, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. As we always say at Reach Life, life is about relationships. And that's what Paul is getting at. God has placed us right here, right now for relationships with the people in our context. And he has called us to be among them and with them. And he's called us as missionaries to them. We want people to know God or know him more fully. Uh, so our relationships with one another, our relationships with people under the law, our relationships with people outside the law, Jews, Gentiles, the weak, the strong, etc. Ultimately, all of our individual relationships together are for the purpose of our individual and collective relationships with Jesus. That's, he's the focus. That's, that's the main point. So we meet them where, we're, where they are and by God's grace move them toward life with Jesus. Again, we don't just answer questions. We answer people. In these conversations, you know, when you're talking with somebody and there's a debate or you guys disagree, let me just pause and say, always stop and remember that Jesus sees them as an individual. We need to see them as, as an individual, not some person who holds this idea. My neighbor is not just a Buddhist. My neighbor is someone, he may believe some tenets of Buddhism, but usually there's a, there's a reason behind those things. There's a story in his life that in his heart and mind make him think that that's more plausible, or that that's accurate. He may have been wounded by the church growing. He may have, have grown up in a Bible-believing, a gospel-centered church, but somebody didn't live salty. And now they're wounded. And I don't know that unless I see them as an individual and talk to them. And find out what's going on. I may be answering a question they're not asking. Unless I do that. So I want to encourage us to, to see people as 
individuals. So we need to listen to them. We need to, to have wisdom. We need to walk in the Spirit so we can know how to answer each one. Again, uh, referring back to Colossians chapter 4. And we should be gracious to them. So as a church, we seek to do this on three levels. This is not in your weekly, but um, just so you know, we try to do this as a body. First, we have this broader gathering. And we, we try to bring people in so that they can hear the good news about Jesus. And hopefully, they can see how we love each other. They can, they can hear the gospel and they can see the gospel, right? That's the, the larger context. We do this in smaller groups. Some people will never come in here. But maybe if you've been living salty and living uh, as light in the darkness, they might be willing to come to your house, maybe. Still not always a guarantee, but maybe they'll come to your house for an MC. Um, we do it in smaller groups. And then we do it as uh, in one-on-one relationships. Again, every member is a minister. Every endeavor is a mission. So you are salt and light across a cup of coffee with someone. You see them. You hear them. You know where they are, and they can see and hear you. We meet people where they are. We become as them to be with them in their lives, become all things to all people so that all people might know Jesus. That's Paul's point there. So then let's kind of draw things to a close, tie things together this morning by taking inventory of our own lives. Even now, before we get to the Lord's Supper, before we get to time of commitment, all of that, begin asking God to reveal your life to you, your intentions, your thoughts, your deeds, your motives, and ask, am I living on mission? Like, is that... Is that the posture of my heart? Is that how I move out into the world? Because you are a missionary. The question is, are are you a missionary for what? So begin asking God, am I a missionary? Am I making the effort to be a good one? Do I see my life as a mission? Many of you do, and many of you are, and praise God. Um, But I want us to all take evaluation this morning. May God help us. Be grounded in his word, centered on the gospel, dependent on him in prayer, focused on passing the baton to those who come behind us, as we've talked about in this series thus far, and now engaging the culture to see ourselves for who we are. We're people saved by grace and people set on a mission, Jesus' mission, um, by engaging the culture. Uh, So let me uh, just guys think you'd get out of here today without C.S. Lewis. Let me give a couple of C.S. Lewis quotes to close. First, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, I want you to listen to what C.S. Lewis says. Enemy-occupied territory. That's what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise. Pause here. By the way, Lewis means that Jesus didn't arrive first in glory and to conquer, right? Um, But he says, "And, and the king is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. Reach Life Church, that's at our core, to engage the culture for Jesus. And for those of you who are not followers of Jesus, let me, uh, via C.S. Lewis again, make a really clear invitation to you as well. If you're a follower of Jesus, I invite you to participate Um, And if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is a longer quote, but I want you to lean in. This is important. And I want you to consider what he says when he describes kind of the flip side of that same coin. 
C.S. Lewis says, why is God landing in this enemy-occupied world in disguise and starting a sort of secret society to undermine the devil? Why is he not landing in force, invading it? Is it that he's not strong enough? Well, Christians think that he is going to land in force. We do not know when, but we can guess why he is delaying. He wants to give us the chance of joining his side freely. I do not suppose you and I would have thought much of a Frenchman who waited till the allies were marching into Germany and then announced he was on our side. God will invade. But I wonder whether people who ask God to interfere openly and directly in our world quite realize what it will be like when he does. When that happens, it is the end of the world. When the author walks onto the stage, the play is over. God is going to invade, all right. But what is the good of saying you're on his side then? When you see the whole natural universe melting away like a dream and something else, something it never entered in your head to conceive, comes crashing in. Something so beautiful to some of us and so terrible to others that none of us will have any choice left. For this time, it will be God without disguise. Something so overwhelming that it will strike either irresistible love or irresistible horror into every creature. It will be too late then to choose your side. There's no use saying you choose to lie down when it has become impossible to stand up. That will not be time for choosing. It will be the time when we discover which side we really have chosen, whether we realized it or not. Now, today, this moment is our chance to choose the right side. God is holding back to give us that chance. It will not last forever. We must take it or leave it. I want to pray for us, and then we will remember the Lord's Supper. Lord Jesus, we need you. And I pray that you help each of us this morning remember and realize that we need you. Maybe we are, have been called by you, we are uh, reconciled to the Father by you, but uh, man, uh, we haven't really taken the mission that you handed off to us seriously. Help us to do that now. You're worthy. Uh, the people in front of us help, help uh, perfect love cast out our fear of talking and being your missionaries. And Lord, for those of us in here that don't know you or maybe watching on YouTube who don't know you. Who maybe C.S. Lewis would have described now's the day, the time to choose. Lord, I pray that you would help people choose wisely. Choose the place that where only freedom comes. That's redemption through the Lord Jesus. That's salvation through what you accomplished, Jesus, on the cross for us and for them. Lord, help us to repent and be saved. Amen.